Thanks, Eric. My name is Ron Quill, I'm one of the pastors here at Hellside. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you who are watching online. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started asking this question, what did Jesus do after his resurrection? We talk about Jesus a lot, and we should, and, and what we really talk about most is, you know, that his birth was a big deal, and then his teaching and his miracles, and then dying on the cross, paying for our sins on Good Friday, right? That's absolutely essential. And then rising again from the dead, and, and then most of the time we kind of say, yep, that's Jesus. And, and, and we don't kind of go on as so we said, well, what, what did Jesus do next? And in fact, what is Jesus doing right now? What, what is Jesus doing as we gather here to worship this morning? We're going to actually talk about that specific question this morning. So what we did is we said, first of all, a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus spent 40 days. He spent 40 days on earth in his glorified body. His, he, had, he had human flesh yet, but it was glorified, and he showed people. He, he showed them that he was genuinely alive, and he taught, and he, and he restored his disciples, and he called us into ministry. And, and then last week, we looked at the fact that he ascended into heaven, that he's the conquering hero, and that now our flesh, somebody who, who has our flesh glorified, is in heaven and, and that's a powerful thing to think about. And then today we're going to look at what he is doing right now, that he took his place at the right hand of the Father. And, and that's where Jesus is today. That's where Jesus is right now. And, and we'll talk about what that means. And then he sent the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that next week. All right, he sends the Holy Spirit on Pentecost 50 days after Easter. But today we start with this one, that he took his place at the right hand of the Father. And, and it's interesting because, again, like I said, we kind of, Jesus is, is, is birth and life and the death and resurrection. But when you read the, the letters of the New Testament, Paul, Peter, John, you're going to see this is what they talk about. They don't in their letters talk much about Jesus as a baby, as, as birth and so on. They talk about that he is right now. He is right now in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and he is ruling all things. And you and I need to make sure that, that we remember that that is where Jesus is right now. We get this time and time again throughout the New Testament, book of Acts, chapter 2. Peter is preaching on Pentecost Sunday, and he says, God has raised this Jesus to life, resurrection, and we are all witnesses to it. Again, that 40 days, and then he exalted him to the right hand of God. God exalted him to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you will now see and hear. So that's what we'll talk about next week. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1. He, God, raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. He exalted him and seated him at the right hand. The book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 12. But when this priest, Jesus, unlike any other priest, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. So Jesus is right now at the right hand of the Father why does it matter? What's the significance of that? What, what's the importance of that? Again, in order to answer this, I want to go back, and for those of you who were here last week, this will be a review, but it's going to be a little different, so you do have to pay attention, all right? But I want to go back to the beginning, and when I say go back to the beginning, I mean way back to the beginning when there was just God. Just the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they were serving each other, they were loving each other, they were eternal, they go on, they care for each other, and at one point, 
they decided that they would create, all right? God is there, we'll put him there, and they decided that they would create. In the beginning, very first words of Scripture here, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So God takes this up, and he, and he makes this world. He creates all the angels that surround him now. He creates the heavens of the sun and the moon and the stars. He creates the birds. He creates the trees. He creates everything, all right? And now he's got this beautiful world, and everything he creates is perfect. It's just the way it's supposed to be. And then, ultimately, his final act of creation is that God creates Adam and Eve. He creates human beings. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So we get Adam and Eve there, and they're purple, but that's just the way they are, okay? So God created Adam and Eve, and they're there, and he created them for a purpose, He created them, and this is important for us today because this is going to be the main theme kind of of the day. But he created them so that they may rule over. So they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So just as God reigns in heaven, and he's got his crown there, he gave to our first parents. He created us in order to be kings and queens. He created us in order to be princes and princesses. He created us not to, not to dominate and exploit things, but to nurture in his name and to grow and to develop. He created us to lead. He did. He, he put us over all those things. So Adam and Eve are also given crowns. In, in Psalm 8, and this is going to be important later on, but in Psalm 8, the psalmist says, God, you have made people. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor, all right? Just a little lower than the angels. You made them, again, those same words from Genesis 1, rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything. You put everything under their feet, all right? So think of those words. Put those words in the back of your head. So God creates, and then he creates Adam and Eve, and he puts everything under their feet, Everything is, they're supposed to rule over everything. They're supposed to lead everything. They're supposed to nurture and serve and guide everything. And, and it was so good. The glory of God filled the earth, and everything was just the way it was supposed to be. All right? Everything was good. Until Adam and Eve made a decision. Genesis chapter 3. It's, again, very early in the story. But Adam and Eve make a decision. They decided they didn't want to be kings in the name of God. They wanted to be kings on their own. They wanted to make their own decisions. They wanted to decide what was right and wrong. They wanted to be in control. Again, you're not the boss of me, right? All of us still have that sense inside of us. There's something inside of us that wants to say, nobody can tell me what to do. I get to be in charge. And so Adam and Eve rebelled against God and, and, and they basically, as it were, kind of kicked God's glory away. They threw down the crowns he had given them and everything was broken. Everything got darker. The relationship between them got worse. They, own, their own, they were broken themselves. They were now slaves to sin. God created us to rule, but now we have become slaves to sin. We've become slaves to the brokenness of this world. God didn't give up, but he made the way, and he kept the way open. Immediately, still in Genesis 3, and don't worry, we'll get to where we got to get, but God comes down. And and, and he says to Adam and Eve, things are going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. You're going to work, and things aren't going to go the way they're supposed to. But I promise you this. One day, one of your offspring 
will come and drive out the darkness. I promise you this, one day someone will come and he will destroy that serpent who tricked you and he will drive out all the darkness. And we're going to jump forward to that. The rest of the Old Testament kind of anticipates that day of, of, of when the offspring of Adam and Eve will come. And, and, and so we uh, move forward to that and, and, and we recognize that, that God had a son. His name is Jesus, right? And, and, and this son of God was one who, who was the crown prince, prince of heaven. He, he was there eternally, okay? God had the son, and, and, and the son was the means by which God was going to save us. His own son was going to come to be with us. And, and so the son does several things, but two of them are essential. And this next one is essential for us this morning because what he does is he sets aside his crown, and, and, I, and I want you to imagine that this is in heaven and the Son and the Father are there and they're perfect and, and the Spirit is there and they love each other. And the Son says in Philippians, Paul says, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped. And the Son says, I will give up my heavenly authority and, and, and lay down my crown here and I will go and I will become part of creation. And he came to earth and then the second major thing he did, sort of, and it, it all flies together, it all flows together, but, but he took on our flesh. And, 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 and so that's why I have him, I mean, he's purple, he's one of us. He, he who is holy takes on human flesh, and he is going to take on our sins as well. Even though he was the king, right? People didn't recognize him as the king, and, and, and some of them didn't like him at all, but he brought light into the darkness, Again, our human nature, we prefer darkness to light. <laughs> we prefer to, to be kings on our own term. And so they decided that this one who would be king needs to be gotten rid of, all right? They need to get rid of him. And so they crucified Jesus. And, and here again, we're thinking crowns, okay? Thinking crowns this morning. They give him a crown, but it's a crown of thorns, right? They give him a crown, but it is a crown of thorns, and when Jesus dies, darkness covers the earth. And, 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 and so in that, Jesus takes on all of our sin, all of our rebellion, and he pays the price for that. On the third day, Jesus, God raised Jesus from the dead, all right? And we have this victory over death now. This one who still bears our flesh, now in a glorified body. And, and, and Jesus, this is where we get to our series. Jesus spent 40 days on earth and then... We talked about this last week. He ascended into heaven. And, and, and to imagine that, that our flesh is in heaven, that our flesh, our brother Jesus is there. We talked about that, that our brother is in heaven next to the throne of God. And our brother is, is telling the Father about us. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's defending us. He's, he's, he's telling God that we belong to him, that our brother is up in heaven doing that for us right now. Our brother is worthy of our worship because he is that conquering hero and our brother is going to send the Holy Spirit. So he ascended into heaven. Now we get to today. Okay, now we get to today and, and what happens next. And again, each one of these things is just so huge, all right? And, and, and so what happens next is he moves to the Father's right hand and he's standing at the Father's right hand. And, and if you wonder why that's significant, in, in that day, and we still have a sense of it today, but, but the right hand is the place of honor. It's the place of, of deepest trust. You put your, your best friend at your right hand, your most trusted advisor, your most powerful general, and that person who was at somebody else's right hand, 
That person could speak on behalf of the, 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 the one who was there in the center. That person. And so Jesus comes to this place, and it is the highest place. It is the place of all honor, and he is the place of all authority. And so he moves to the Father's right hand, and then a throne is brought out, and he sat down. And again, just, I, I know you're kind of going, okay, so he sat down. No. No, this is huge. This changes everything. He sat down. All right, so let's have him sit down. And, and this is, again, what Hebrews 10 says. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Why does it matter? Why is that significant? What's the importance of that for us? It's like he sat down. And here's what we need to understand. Servants stand. In heaven, all the angels stand or bow. They don't sit. Servants don't sit in your house. Servants stand. Workers stand. But kings, kings sit. And and, and the importance of Jesus sitting down on the throne at the right hand of God is that Jesus is taking his place as king of everything. Jesus is taking his place as king of our lives. He's taking his place as king of the church. He's taking his place as king of the universe. And right now, friends, right now, now Jesus Christ rules and everything is in his hands everything belongs to him and our brother our brother has all authority and you and I need to that is the major picture that Paul talks about that the Hebrews letter talks about that John talked about is that right now Jesus is sitting at the right hand and right now Jesus is in charge and it's going to be okay It's going to be okay. Jesus takes his place as king, and he gets the crown back. So what does that mean for us? Again, the the main thing is that Jesus is right now the king, the, the one who died for us, the one who loves us so much, is in charge. And and as Eric was praying, we don't always see it that way. I'll come back to that. But look at this, Ephesians 1, verse 20. God seated him, Jesus, at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above every rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And God put all things under Christ's feet. All things under Christ's feet. You remember Psalm 8? Remember what happened? You know what the psalmist said? He said, you, God, put everything under their feet. And so now we're going back to the beginning, friends. We're going back to the beginning. And and God created us, and he put everything under Adam's and Eve's feet. And now he does that with King Jesus. And and God has placed absolutely everything. And there is nothing that is outside of his control. Hebrews 2, verse 8. For when he, the Father, put all things under his control, the Son, he left nothing outside of that control. this is one of those things that's just too big for us to grasp. But it is essential that we get better and better. I I, I like what Andy Kivenhoven said about this. He said, we speak frequently about Jesus coming down to serve as a slave. And again, we should. That Jesus came to be with us. That Jesus knows our pain. Jesus knows what it's like to lose loved ones. Jesus knows what it's like to suffer, to be mocked, to be shamed. It's important for us to recognize this. But he says, we rejoice too little. And I think he's right. We rejoice too little in his going up to be our king and to set us free. That he is right now the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That he is the one who rules all things.
Again, it doesn't always seem that way. It doesn't always seem that way. We look around us and we see people who fail us. We see people we love die. We see wars. We see Virginia Beach. We see racism. And we look at it and we say, it doesn't look like Jesus is reigning to me, Ron. It doesn't look like that to me. And, and again, what I love is that the New Testament is so honest about that. And, and, and going back to Hebrews chapter 2, in, in verse 7 it says, The Father put all things under the Son's control. And then these words, I, you want to get these. At present we do not yet see all things under his control. Amen, right? At present, we do not yet see all things under his control. We still see death. We still see pain. We still see suffering. We still see brokenness. At present, it does not look like Jesus is on the throne. And when we look around us, but the author says, but we see something. And he says, we see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. We see him now crowned with glory and honor. We see him now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by God's grace he would experience death on behalf of everyone. And I, and I want you to just, this is, this is my prayer for this service, is, is that we can get this much. At present we do not yet see all things under his control, but we see Jesus now crowned with honor and glory, with glory and honor, but we see Jesus. And I want you to become, I want us to become people who in the midst of the brokenness, We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. We see Jesus who still sits on the throne. And I don't understand why my situation is still what it is. I don't understand why he doesn't act if he's got all authority and power. I don't understand why he doesn't change something in my situation. I'm waiting. I'm being faithful. But I'm wondering, why don't you do something? Some of you, why didn't you do something? I I don't see it yet. I don't see it, but I see you, Jesus, and I see you crowned with honor and glory. I see you crowned and sitting on the throne, and when I see that, I can dare to believe. Friends, this is our situation, living in a broken world, but we see Jesus now crowned with glory and honor. And it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that everything is easy or right, but by faith we see that, and we know And this is the heart of the Christian life. We know that we are in good, powerful, nail-scarred hands. We are in good, powerful, nail-scarred hands. And and for me, to picture that Jesus is on the throne, and his his hands are scarred because he died for me and for you. And he's got all the power. And I may not understand why things happen the way they happen but I know he's there. And and that's why we sing, and that's why we're going to sing at the end of this, because we want to just say, Jesus, help us to see you now sitting and crowned with glory and honor. When we hold on to that, when we see Jesus now crowned with glory and honor, even though it doesn't look like it, we can be... And this comes from the Heidelberg Catechism, for those of you who, it's a statement of faith from our church. We can be faithful in bad times, because I know Jesus reigns. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean I'm not upset. It doesn't mean I'm not frustrated. But I know that Jesus is on the throne, and so I can be faithful. I will trust that he knows what he's doing. I will trust. I know his love is not too too weak. I know his power is not too weak. So I will be faithful. I will trust him 
sometimes just barely, but I will trust him in the bad times. I will be thankful in the good times because all things come from his hands and I will be hopeful at all times. I live with hope because I see Jesus now seated with glory and honor. I live with hope because I know one day Jesus is going to come back and make all things new. I live with hope because it's not done yet and my God reigns. And I live with hope. Jesus is right now the king of heaven and the king of earth. Second, there are going to be three of these next to our shorter. Jesus is the king. He's the head of the church. He's the king of everything, but he's also the king. He's the head of the church. Ephesians 1, And God put all things under Christ's feet, and he, the Father, gave him the Son to the church's head over all things. It is Jesus Christ who is the head of this church. It is Jesus Christ who is the head of his body. And, and what that means, two things I want to just touch on here. But it means that we can have confidence and hope for the church. The fact is, sometimes I, if I look with my natural eyes, I don't have a lot of confidence and hope for the church. Because, honestly, we mess it up. I mess it up. You mess it up. If it was our church there would not be a lot of reason for hope. If it was our church, we couldn't count on it succeeding. If it was our, but it's not. It's Jesus' church. He is the head. He is the one who gives us strength. He is the one who will protect his church. And sometimes we mess it up, but for whatever reason, he has chosen to work through us. And, and, and I don't know what's going to happen with churches around the world, if, if in the country they're going to continue, but I know this, God is still alive in his church. And I know that no matter what happens, I am not the leader of this church. God is the head of this church. And he is the one who, is, who, who gives us hope. We're not hopeful because, man, we got a rocking band. We're not hopeful because we got great children's ministries. We're thankful, but we're hopeful because Jesus is the head of the church. And he will take care of us. The second thing, Jesus being the head of the church, means that we need to constantly be looking out for where Jesus is leading us. We need to constantly be asking, not where do we think we should go? But King Jesus, where do you want your church to go? How do you want us to be? How do you want us to be in action? Where do you want us to be serving? What do you want us to be doing? And, and we need to continually. Again, this, this, again the crowns. We, we are so... It's, it's hard for us to have a crown and, and not feel like, good, I'm in charge. But our crowns are a subset of Jesus' crowns. And, and any leading we do, we do in his name. And we seek his leading. And, and again, that implies to, to the church, to our families, to anything. We want to be where Jesus wants us to be. So he's the, he's the king of everything right now. He's the king of the church right now. And then he's the king of my life. And we've touched on this one a little bit. He is the king of my life. He is in control of me. That means he can take care of me. I see him crowned and, 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 and crowned with glory and honor, and I see him sitting on that throne, and I know that he will take care of me, and I know that he can use me because all things are under his feet, and he can use you, and he can use me. And our brother says, now I'm going to work through you guys. And I need to just surrender to him. I need to trust and obey him. And again, it doesn't mean I don't have questions. 
doesn't mean it's easy. But I say, Jesus, help me to learn to let you live in me more and more every single day. You are the king, and I want to crown you with many crowns. I want to lift you up. You are the only king forever. So Jesus is the king of heaven and earth. Jesus is the king of the church. He's king of my life. Now, one more question I want to ask, and then we're going to spend some time in worship. One more question I want to ask, and I don't know if any of you have it. You can tell me later if you're thinking of it at this point. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Most of the time in the New Testament, that's what we, that's what we read. Several times we read that he's just at the right hand of God. But one time we clearly read something different, that Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. The, the, Stephen, one of the leaders of the early church, he sees Jesus, and he sees Jesus standing in heaven. This is a situation, book of Acts, chapter 7. Stephen has been preaching, and the, the religious leaders didn't like what he was saying, and so they arrested him, and they charged him with blasphemy. And Stephen took the opportunity to say, well, let me tell you guys now here about Jesus, because he is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and he's died for our sins. Let me tell you about Jesus. And it becomes pretty clear Stephen is not going to make it out of this alive. They are going to stone him, and this is what happens. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He saw Jesus standing, all right? He he sees Jesus not sitting, but standing. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And that pushes the others over the edge and they kill him. So why did he see that? Why was Jesus standing at that point? Some suggested, maybe this is part of it, that he's there to, to to welcome Stephen in to the kingdom. But I think what it is, is it, it's there to show us that, that, that Jesus is eager to come back. That Jesus is eager to come back and stop all the hurt and, and stop all the pain. I think Jesus sits and he rules, but he doesn't just sit back and, and rule in any kind of comfort. He is constantly waiting. And what I see happening is, and Eric talked about this again in the sermon, that, that Jesus is in heaven and he is just waiting for the go word. Because he wants to come back. And he wants to say enough pain. He wants to say enough struggling, enough hurt. And I think that, that there are various times, and <clears throat> I don't know what times he can sit down because it always seems like some of this is going on. But times when Jesus just has to stand up and he's like, I got to go, Dad. It's time. I want to get out of here. And the Father says, no, relax. I know. I want it to. And, and the Father says, no, sit down. But that picture of Jesus, so hungry. When you struggle, I think Jesus stands up and says, can I go now? I'm sick of this, Father. I'm sick of watching the pain. I'm sick of out there. I want to. We can do this in an instant. So wait. There are more who need to come home. Wait. And so every once in a while, and I don't know what the ratio is, but Jesus, know this, is standing. And it's standing to come and say, I want to come home and bring them home, and I want to make it right, and I want to bring the glory back and get rid of all the death and the pain and the suffering. I think that's why Jesus stands up. He sits down to rule. Jesus right now is the king of heaven and earth. He's right now the king of the church, and he's right now the king of our lives. If we have surrendered to him, if we have thrown our crowns at his feet, so to speak, Our brother Jesus is the king of the universe. Right now, 
right now. And I promise you this, it's going to be okay. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what impossible situation is in front of you right now. I have mine, you have yours. But know this, our God reigns. Jesus Christ is on the throne at the right hand of the Father. And it's going to be okay. And and so we're going to spend some time singing songs that focus on Jesus as the King. And I want you to see once again, you can see Jesus. I know, I'm not saying it denies all the pain, but through the pain, through the brokenness, we see Jesus now crowned with glory and honor. Let's pray together.